You are listening to Master Coaching with Ajit, a podcast that inspires coaches to impact lives of their clients more meaningfully. I am Coach Ajit, and I'm known for coaching high performers, entrepreneurs, and leaders. I'm also a serial entrepreneur and author of many books. On this podcast, I am answering your burning questions. I'm also demonstrating and deconstructing behind-the-scenes coaching sessions. And today, we have a really special episode. Today's episode is our 50th episode. So, hooray to Master Coaching with Ajit. You're now access to 50 amazing deep dives with experts, with coaching sessions that you can listen into, and also deep dives into specific topics that can completely transform your life and how you coach somebody else. I am so grateful for each one of you that has been listening to our podcast every single week and sharing your insights that you're getting from these episodes, sharing your great reviews and ratings with us. So thank you. Thank you very, very much for supporting Master Coaching with Ajit. We are excited, we are pumped, and we are grateful that you are loving and enjoying this podcast. Now, because it's our 50th episode, I wanted it to be a special one, which is why I am presenting to you five ideas that you can take in in the rest of 2021 and all of 2022 that will completely change your coaching practice. These are mind shifts and ways to think about your coaching practice, your coaching career, your coaching business, how you create impact in your clients' lives that will help you create more impact and absolutely more revenue as a coach. These ideas may trigger thinking patterns for you, and that's a good thing. I want you to take the time to let these ideas simmer. Let it trigger thinking. Let it trigger some new concepts that may come to your mind that will further your career in a way that nothing else can. Before I share with you these ideas, I want to share some amazing notes that I received recently, and I want to thank each one of these individuals that took the time to leave me a review. The first one I want to read out is from Ashley from Great Britain. She says, Ajit's podcast and YouTube channel is packed with so much value and practical knowledge. I've listened to a lot of different coaching podcasts and haven't found anything quite like this. Thank you, Ajit. Thank you so much, Ashley. Your words are so kind. Monkey from Germany says, great session with Verle. This is our previous episode and very helpful trips on overpowering a non-serving habit with a new one. Thank you both. Thank you so much, Monkey, for sharing that insight with us. The next one I want to read is from Australia, Emma. Emma says, I love Ajit coaching. It helped me so much in my coaching journey as he explains everything with ease and that is all doable. So much value in anything that Ajit shares. Thank you for this podcast. Thank you for listening in, Emma. All of these reviews are so heartfelt. It gives me so much joy reading each one of these reviews. Now, let's get into the five ideas that I believe if you reflect it on and let it simmer in your body and your mind and really think about these ideas, it can change the way you approach your life, it can change the way you approach your clients, and it can definitely change your career. The first idea I want to discuss with you is creativity and crisis. You see, creativity usually sits in the land of crisis. If you're creating something new and unique, in your life, if you're creating a new career, like a coaching career, if you're creating a new methodology, like a coaching methodology, if you are putting yourself through change yourself, that change may mean you require creativity. 
And when you require creativity, often it's an invitation to crisis. It's an invitation to chaos. How often have we heard stories about individuals that were very, very creative and at some point in their life, they got into a chaotic mind or a crisis-ridden mind? And the reason was that there is a point where creativity can lean so much into crisis for its fuel that we can forget to distinguish between creativity and crisis. Now, hopefully, you're not at that point. Hopefully, you are at a point where you are trying to get into creativity without being in crisis. And that may be the reason why you need to explore the relationship between creativity and crisis. You see, when I first was developing my coaching models, whenever coach was getting developed, when my coaching model was getting developed for businesses, my coaching model for life was getting developed, it looked like an absolute chaos. It looked really, really disturbing from the outside in. It seemed like I had no clear idea what I was developing. It seemed like that I was always contradicting what I was saying. It seemed like that I was more unsure about everything than I was clear about anything. And because of that, from the point of view of somebody looking outside in, I may have looked non-confident. I may have looked like somebody who's not a very good coach. It may have looked like that I'm really building something that really doesn't have a vision or direction. Sometimes to me, myself, it felt like that I was building something which was a sandcastle, that it's going to just collapse on itself, that it was just an absolute chaos, that there was no real future to what I was working on. And that is what creativity does look like. You see, when we are creating something, it requires us to really consume as much data and information that you possibly can around those topics. So when I was building Evercoach, I was consuming an insane amount of information around coaching models, around different authors. I was reading so many books at any given time. I was rejecting and selecting ideas at a pace that was much harder for me to really test out each one of them. I was testing out marketing ideas and product building ideas so I can maintain a really high quality of product quality. And because of all of those efforts and all of those ideas and all of those endeavors, my mind was a library, but a messy one. It was a library where I had way too many ideas than what I could execute, and I would constantly overwhelm anybody that would interact with me in the capacity of building the business or building my personal coaching ideas and coaching methodologies and coaching philosophies. And the reason why I share this story with you is because this may be you right now. Right now, as a coach, you may be building a reality where you are finding your methodology. Maybe you are building your business. Maybe you have built your business a little bit, but you're trying to grow it. Maybe you have found your building blocks. Maybe you have not found your building blocks and now you're finding them. Whatever the case may be, it may look chaotic. It may look chaotic from the outside and it may look chaotic for yourself. You might be thinking, what the hell am I doing? Why is it that I am not able to make a decision? Why is it that I'm constantly battling different ideas? Why is it that I'm not certain about my methodology? And I am here to tell you and remind you that you are in the midst of the chaos, the crisis that will birth creativity, that you have to honor that this crisis, this chaos is what is going to give birth to what is going to be the most beautiful image of you, the most beautiful coaching methodology that you could develop, the most beautiful business that is congruent with your life and your lifestyle. And so honor that crisis, honor this chaos, honor this journey so you can come out on the other side being present to the crisis, being present to the chaos and not give up.
not stop doing it because this chaos, this creativity is just a way to get to the other end, to get to that creative outlet, to create that methodology, the business, the the clients, the book, whatever that might be that you're creating, it is going to come out of this chaos. So honor the chaos, honor the crisis. And you also know that me being me, I must give a tool, a technique to resolve or get really present to what's happening. And that is why I want to offer you something that you can do when you find yourself in the midst of this storm, when you find yourself in the midst of this chaos, this crisis. Here's what you could do. There are two ideas that really helped me when I was in chaos and crisis. You see, when we are creating something new, it is very likely that you're consuming a lot of data points or a lot of information because you're trying to create something new. And because you're creating something new, you need building blocks. And building blocks are created by taking in a lot of information and a lot of data points, like I said. And when you're taking a lot of information and data points, what happens is our mind is constantly overwhelmed with intake because we're taking all this information, we're taking all this data point. When your mind is overwhelmed with intake, the best thing you can do for your mind to process all that intake is to slow it down. Slow down your mind from all of the intake to a space where it can shut down for a few minutes, a few seconds, for a few hours if you can, so it can make meaning of all the intake that it has received. There are many ways to shut down or slow down your intake process. Here are some ideas for you to consider. Go out for a walk. Go out for a walk in nature because nature is always something that puts us into a state of awe. When you go out for a hike and you look at the view, you are in awe. When you look at an ocean, you are in awe. When you look at a beautiful tree that is so big and large and has really lived a long life, you are in awe. And because of this awe, your mind stops taking all that crazy information that it's taking and gets present to the awe or the amazingness of the reality of nature. So one of the ways for you to really slow your mind down is to take out those AirPods, don't listen to a podcast, don't listen to a book, take a walk in nature. If you don't have access to nature, get a journal. Get something where you can write down whatever's happening in your mind. When you have a lot of ideas that you're taking as input, your mind never gets the time to process and create output. But when you're journaling, your mind is forced to think about what do I want to write? So journaling by design is an output-based exercise. Something needs to come out of that time that you sat down with yourself to really journal. And so sit down with a journal and start writing. Don't worry about what you're going to write, just write. What will happen is you'll get so focused on writing if you dedicated 10 minutes to do this is that slowly but surely, maybe the first page is going to be garbage and the second page is going to be garbage, but the third page is when you start making sense of things. When all that input that was coming to you starts to become an output. Now, I'm not saying you have to wait till page three to start getting output. Sometimes it's fast, sometimes it's slow. All I'm saying is that give yourself enough time. So if it doesn't happen immediately, it happens in time that you go from a state of input to a state of output, which will organize the chaotic mind, organize the creative mind to come out with some output of all the data information that you may have taken. Lastly, if you are somebody who meditates or has taken meditation at some point or is curious about it, I invite you to do visual meditations. Visual meditation or visualization is the act of meditating, but not just in silence and in peace, but in a creative way. 
In this exercise, you are really thinking about creativity. You're creating in your meditation. And because you're visually creating, you're making all that input project out as output and becoming like a movie in your meditation. And so that lets your creativity, that chaos, that chaotic energy, that all input energy, again, to turn into an output energy and create a vision of what you may be creating. Now, all of these output activities are output activities mostly to get something out of your system. They're not necessarily designed to give you the perfect answer because the perfect answer will happen when it will happen. You will have a moment of insight and you'll look at it and you'll be like, this is it. And when you get to this is it, you found your thing. But until then, use one of these three techniques to mostly get your mind organized. Let your mind not get overwhelmed and slow it down so it can really process all this amazing, chaotic, but amazing new input that you're giving your brain and your mind so it can create something that is new and unique. So the first idea that we discussed is how to use chaos or tremendous amount of input that you might have from the world to turn it into creativity for yourself, for your business, and for your clients. The second idea that I want to discuss today is how to deal with crisis. You see, 2020, the world was in crisis. The 2021, we were kind of still in crisis. 2022, who knows if the world will be in crisis or not. But crisis, your personal crisis, family crisis, client crisis, world crisis is a part of life. And if you don't effectively learn how to work in crisis or work with crisis, you may find yourself struggling consistently, constantly, because you may create a pattern of thinking that believes that the world is always in crisis and things are always in crisis, that you're always chasing, and you never really get into the state of productivity and joy and happiness. So if you feel lack of confidence, if you feel anxiety, if you feel fear, you may be experiencing crisis, crisis which is just life crisis. And the reason why we feel anything is crisis, anything that you have and that you feel is crisis in life right now is because you have not taken the time to take that emotion, take that story and question it or challenge it or introduce rational thinking to it. You see, anxiety, fear, lack of confidence, these are things that are happening at an emotional level for you. You're emotionally attached to what may happen. And because of that, you're drawing out scenarios that feel like crisis. And when that happens, your rational thinking or your rational self shuts down because our emotional body is way more powerful than our rational mind. And so emotions take over all over our body and we give a huge emotional response to the crisis. And what happens is when we are giving such an emotional response to crisis, emotions double down on each other. And so we continue to think more and more and more about crisis, 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 crisis. And we think our reality is a reality of crisis. If we were to introduce rational thinking, simply challenging and questioning of what we believe is true for us or what we believe is crisis, just questioning it can change the approach of how we deal with that crisis. How do we deal with that emotional response of anxiety, fear, lack of confidence, and so forth? So my invitation for you is when you think something is crisis, look for if there is a gap between your rational self thinking about it and your emotional body that may be responding to it. Has it happened to you where you 
were working with a client and you made up a story around what the coaching session went like and you're telling yourself that story, you're telling yourself that story, you're telling yourself that story only to realize that the next session the client comes and says, thank you so much, you changed my life. Thank you so much, you made such a massive impact on me in the last session. Have you ever been in a situation, maybe it has happened for you, where you thought something was amazing, you had a great time listening to or talking to somebody But when the person met you, they were like, oh, I'm so sorry for the last time. I couldn't serve you in the best way I could. And you went, what are you talking about? That was amazing. I really had a great conversation that day. That is us not recognizing that rational thinking and emotional response are two different things. The gap between them is what creates crisis. If we could catch up our rational thinking to what our emotions are thinking, or bring down the emotional thinking to rational thinking, it would bring forth to you that the crisis that you think is the crisis for life is not even a nudge. You see, in 2021, my mom, my mother, got COVID. And while many individuals got COVID, my mom has a medical condition where her lungs don't fully perform. They only work about 60% of the capacity. And COVID is something that impacts the lungs. So when she got COVID and I heard the news, I immediately went into crisis mode. I immediately thought the worst case scenario. I immediately thought that everything's going to end and I'm stuck here in the United States and she's back there in India. Will I be able to see her? Will I be able to communicate with her? Will I be able to talk to her? Because, you know, I don't want her to speak and make effort while she's already struggling with her lungs. How, how, how can this happen to me? And I made up a whole scenario. I was walking down the streets crying, my eyes out because I had made up this extreme crisis scenario in my life at that time. And rightly so, this was my mother, right? At the same point of time, I'm blessed with people around me that can bring me to the moment when I am completely lost. Thankfully, at that time, my wife was right there with me. My wife, Dr. Nita, presented some rational facts to me that immediately changed my crisis state to a more productive state, which was more how I can support my mother. When I reached back home crying my eyes out, my wife looked at me and said, what happened, Ajit? I said, well, they just diagnosed that my mom's got COVID and you already know that my mom has this lung situation. And my wife said, okay, you're right. It is really hard if she gets COVID, but here is something that you're forgetting. She just got her vaccine. She also has the best care a person can ask for. Didn't your brother already organize a gas oxygen cylinder for her because she has a lung condition? Don't you have an oxygen meter at home so she can be constantly monitored and not really have an edge case where lack of monitoring led to some consequence that couldn't have been prevented? And as she was saying all these things, I was like, oh, you're right. I have excellent care that is on call available. Uh, my brother is in India and ex- and coincidentally, he was back home and he had organized this amazing uh, service for my mother because she could have been in a situation because she has this particular lung condition. Uh, she had got her vaccine shot, which made it much less likely that she would have an extreme response or extreme reaction to COVID. And all of these other things that I hadn't considered when I was purely operating from a place of crisis. I share this story with you because even somebody who really understands this can get into a state of crisis because we are not present to rational thought immediately. Sometimes it takes a minute. Sometimes it takes somebody else to bring our attention towards, let's look at the rational thought. Let's see what the facts are 
before we start responding from crisis. So my urge is for you that in 2022, in 2023, or years to come from now, whenever you get into crisis, get yourself present to what actually is the truth on the ground. What are the facts? What is the rational thought? Because once you get into rational thought, you will find that most things that you think are crisis are absolutely critical, are actually much simpler, much easier, much more doable for you because of the person that you are, the skills that you have, and the resourcefulness that you can generate when the time comes. And that brings me to the third idea that I think is very important for you to hear right now. You see, when we think about scenarios, any scenario, we tend to think about the worst case scenario. And the worst case scenarios that we draw out are so extreme. I'm guilty of this. So I would always draw out scenarios where I would say, oh, the worst case scenario is I would die or I could die. And while, yes, in the most extreme way that is possible, most of the time, the worst case scenario is actually not that extreme. We make it that extreme because we think the world is going to respond in the worst way possible versus the world will respond in the best way possible. I still remember when COVID was fresh and new, I got a call from one of my friends and he said, hey, I was talking to this doctor, and this is a very well-known doctor, and this doctor is saying that a million people will die in the first month in the U.S. because of COVID. A million people will die. There is no way we are going to survive this. Americans are unhealthy, they're unfit, they're stupid, they are going to die. And I said, you think the worst of humanity. I think humanity is much more powerful. Now, COVID did take a lot of lives, but in no way it was anything close to a million people dying in the first month in just the U.S. Now, COVID did really terrible things. And yes, a lot of the worst case scenarios may have come true, but a lot of the worst case scenarios did not come true at all. A lot of our fears that we had at the time when it just came out didn't come true at all. Society didn't respond in the worst way possible. Society responded in the best way possible. People supported each other. People stayed at home. People respected boundaries. People were careful and cautious. We as human beings are always doing better than our worst expectation. And I want to remind you here something because I know a lot of coaches that are new and seasoned as well do this classic thing. We overthink what will happen in our business. We so overthink what will happen in our business. We overthink the business of coaching. We overthink our client enrollment. We overthink and overcreate these worst case scenarios for somebody will say no, somebody will not resign, somebody will do this, somebody will do that. And because of that, and because of this overthinking, we live the worst situation even when the worst situation never happens because we have lived it in our minds. Sometimes, I would even argue, we manifest that situation to happen just because we are thinking about it so deeply and so profoundly and so horribly that the universe says, you probably really want this. (laughs) So let me give it to you. What I want you to question is when you think about a worst-case scenario, don't create a worst-case scenario thinking the worst of humanity. The worst case scenarios is never the worst of humanity. It's the best of humanity because people show up. People support each other. We as human beings have lived this long, created the things we have created because we are together in this. We have made mistakes, no doubt about it. We have harmed the planet. Absolutely, yes. But we are also healing it. 
We are also doing the best we can to fix it. We are coming together to fix it. Once in a while, we may have somebody that is trying to still hurt the environment, that is still trying to do things that are not good. But most of us are trying to do good. And when most people are trying to do good, worst case scenarios are usually never the worst case. They're the best version of a worst case scenario because people show up for each other. You will show up for yourself. Your clients will show up for you. Your friends will show up for you. So your worst case scenario that you're thinking in this moment, making you do all crazy things, are probably not required. And as we are talking about the business coaching and you may be overthinking so many things in the business of coaching, I want to reflect on an idea that I get very often (laughs) is being a coach's coach. I get this idea so many times. People think, coaches think, that the coaching market is so saturated, that there are way too many coaches and that there are too many coaches who are not qualified and they're corrupting the market. I want to remind you of the size of humanity. We have 7 billion people in the world. Out of the 7 billion people, almost zero are looking for coaches. But almost all of them are looking for a better life. It does not matter. They might be the wealthiest, most successful people or somebody who is just barely getting started in their career. They're both looking to live a better life. You as a coach is their best chance to live a better life in the shortest period of time. So there is no reason to believe that there is not enough clients or there are too many coaches. If anything, there are too few coaches. If anything, there's too little of us that are trying to create a positive change in the world, in human consciousness, in human awareness, in human possibilities of performance and productivity and relationships and so forth. So there is too few of us that are really making the effort here. We are not too many. The market is not saturated. The market is full of people. We just haven't taken the chance of presenting the opportunity of what is possible for them. These are possibility seekers like you are. You are a possibility seeker. You want to do better as a coach. You want to do better as a human being. So do your clients. Your clients want to do better. Your your friends want to do better. Your colleagues want to do better. People in your neighborhood want to do better from what they are doing today. And that leaves so many people hoping that you could show up in their lives so they can live a better life, so they can achieve their dreams, so they can finally fulfill their goals. I want to challenge your story that you need to enroll clients. You don't need to enroll clients. You need your clients or your potential clients to be able to see that you are a good partner for them to be able to live their full potential. You are looking for a way to engage with people in meaningful conversations. Because when you engage with people in meaningful conversations, they see a potential of their progress. They see a potential that they can progress in life. And when they see that potential, they want to see if they can engage with you because you're the one who finally showed them what's possible for them. You're finally being that beacon of hope, of light that says, hey, all the dreams that you always had, you can still make them happen. And let me be your guide. Let me be your coach. Let me be your friend. Let me be the person that walks this road with you, this journey with you, so you can live the life that you always wanted to live and you totally can live today. Your clients are not enrolling with you. Your clients are enrolling in themselves, in their future, in their potential. So remember, every human being that is around you right now is looking to enroll 
back into their potential. They want to get the dreams they want to get. That's why they're working so hard. They want to create the outcomes that they want to always create in their life. That's why they're making sure they create time for family or be able to provide for their family. So remember, always remember that every person that is around you has the potential to be a client. If they can re-enroll in their vision of themselves, if they can re-enroll in their true potential. And that brings me to the final idea that I want to share with you on this very special episode with you today is that remember that everybody is the hero of their world and that everybody is living their own story in their own way. And because everybody is living their own story in their own way, you are also living your story in your own way and it is time for you to leverage it. You see, coaches who are looking to grow their businesses or create an impact in the world often look up to other people to find out what they should do and what they should create and what should be a marketing idea to pursue or how to coach somebody else. While they're good education pieces and you absolutely should do that, the fundamental to becoming an absolutely successful coach is to recognize that you are powerful, that you are competent, that the business that you are going to create needs to be so unique to you that nobody can replicate it because nobody can anyways. Only you can do you. Nobody else can. You can't do anybody else because you'll feel like a fake and so the business is not going to fly. The only thing you can do is you. And because that's the only thing you can do, my invitation, my urge to you is finally show up for yourself as full, authentic you. And when you show up like that, you will be able to leverage yourself. And I know while I say be yourself and really live your honest truth and really present yourself as who you are and leverage it, I know it's scary. It's scary because sometimes you feel if I have to be fully me, it makes me uncomfortable because it means, yes, I have some good things, but I have my shadows too. I have things that I don't appreciate about myself, that are truths about me that I am not comfortable with. And that is where the work sets. That is where you as a coach need to show up for yourself so you can honestly, authentically be yourself. Because when you are yourself, life is easy. Everything is more fun. Everything is more joyous. Everything is a lot more fulfilling because you're not thinking about how I can prove that I am a good coach or how is somebody doing something. Instead of that, you're asking yourself, what gives me joy? Why should I be excited about this? Am I excited about this? How can I be excited about this? So give yourself that permission because when you give yourself that permission, you allow yourself to be you. Not a version of you, truly you. Not your expectation of you, truly you. So you truly can be you and trust me, everything will become easy. You will manifest exactly what you want. You'll manifest it fast and you will be truly joyous and happy on the journey to creating that outcome. So my final advice for you on this 50th special episode is what if you were fully you? What would be the possibilities? What would be the great outcomes that you could create, my dear friend, my dear coach, if you were to show up as yourself? Thank you so much for supporting Master Coaching with Ajit. I'm absolutely loving all our interactions, all our coaching sessions, all our conversations that happen as a follow-up to this podcast. 
If you have enjoyed this conversation, I invite you to subscribe to this podcast on whatever platform that you are listening this on. If you enjoyed this particular episode, I really invite you to leave us a rating, even leave us a review of what you enjoyed about this episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. This is Coach Ajit, and you're listening to Master Coaching Podcast with Ajit.